0: Blessed this morning uh, to have one of our partners and friends in ministry, Reverend Bonnie Gatchell, preaching this morning. Bonnie is the executive director and co founder of Route One Ministries, which does anti trafficking work in Springfield, Worcester, and Boston. Uh, she's an ordained teaching elder in the EPC and a friend of many of you in the congregation. I gave her the easy assignment this week of preaching uh, the book of Job, specifically chapter 38 which I'm going to read after I pray. Lord, we long to be gripped, body, mind, soul, and spirit, by who you are, what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Would you bless us as we listen to your word read and preached, that our minds and hearts come alive to your presence, to your character, to your creation, to your sovereignty. Amen. If you have your Bible, I'm going to be reading Job chapter 38. It's not a short chapter. Job is the uh, beginning of the wisdom section of the English Bible. And uh, a lot's happened before this. Bonnie will probably allude to some of that. But this is God's answer to Job and to his four friends Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this, where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness? that you may take it to its territory, that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt? to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Mazaroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom, or who can tilt the waterskins of the heavens When the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together. Can you hunt the prey for the lion? Or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey? When its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Wow. Thank you, and what a beautiful spot to dig into this text in particular, but I think any, any text was really gorgeous out here. I've been here many times, but I don't think I've ever been here for a full like Sunday service, and then what a beautiful surprise when I arrived and saw Chanel was doing worship. I didn't know she would be here, so that's fantastic. Poetry is exhausting, and... Job illustrates this nicely. Job, as Matt has already said, is one of the five poetic books of the Old Testament. They're sometimes referred to as the wisdom literature. And what separates these five books from the rest of the Old Testament is how they speak about God and how they speak about us as humans and doing life. We have uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, are considered the wisdom literature, the poetry, books. And in Genesis through Esther, while we certainly could break them down much further, they speak of God in relation to Israel. It's always what God is doing with Israel, for Israel, against Israel, but it's in relation to Israel. And Isaiah through Malachi, which are the prophets, speak of God in relation to Israel what he has done, what we can expect him to do. But the poetry books, the wisdom literature, never mention Israel. They don't reference the narrative or the history, their struggle or their exile. There's some hints in the Psalms, but that's about it. The wisdom literature, including Job, is about how God interacts with us in our everyday life in our mundane, in our sorrow, in our love, in our failures, in our successes, how God interacts with us and how we can interact with him. The poetry books, as I've mentioned them, have been listed. And this would have been the same. The first century readers in the ancient Israel There is no mention of exile. And it's interesting how the poetry books have been put together. We have Job, which speaks of suffering, followed by Psalms, a book of prayer, Proverbs, everyday life, Ecclesiastes, doubt, and landing last on Song of Solomon, love. So it's an interesting little flow um, that they put it together for. The books are not in chronological order, right? So it's not like this is a heroic trumpet story of Job suffering and then we land in, you know, the ending scene of a good rom-com where there's love. These are separate across quite a bit of time and separate people and events. And Job at first read is daunting and depressing, confusing, and dark. And Job had everything. He had a wife, he had 10 beautiful children, and his male children outnumbered his female children two to one, which is what you want in this time period um, because you had to pass on your land as inheritance to your children, but only to male children, right? So you need male children to carry on more of you, more of your legacy, more of your heritage. Um, In the first chapter he also has we already see that he had plenty of cattle livestock and people to attend to the cattle and livestock so job for this time period really was a wealthy man in fact we see that his uh, he was so well off that his kids threw parties often right very often. And so at these parties, there would have been the slaughtering of some of these calves so that they could eat and feed their guests. They would have had wine, and there were so, so many of these that they had things set in place. They would invite their sisters to the party. So Job had a lot. We also see from the first chapter that Job is a religious man, that he does fear the Lord, It says in the first chapter that he makes offerings to the Lord on a regular basis, just in case at one of these parties his kids sin. They can be covered. He is a devout man. And scripture says that he was blameless and feared God. Job feared God. God is the creator sustainer, the final judge, and infinite in wisdom. And Job feared him. That's exactly what the scripture says. And so then I looked around to, th- to look through, what does scripture tell us? What is the benefit for someone who fears God? In Psalm 111, it says, those who fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 9, it says the same thing. Those who fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 1, it says, those who fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So very similar to wisdom. Those who fear the Lord prolong their life, Proverbs 10. Isaiah says, the fear of the Lord is a treasure. Uh, He also says, the fear of the Lord is a great confidence. But Job says, Here in 38, he's feared the Lord. He's given his offerings. And right now, he does not seem to be receiving knowledge, wisdom, prolonged life, a treasure, right? He has lost everything. Job fears God, and everything falls apart. We went from a Hallmark movie to a K-drama in a matter of minutes. God is the creator, the sustainer, the final judge, infinite in wisdom. Job fears God, and everything has fallen apart. Job's life is beautiful in chapter one, annoyingly beautiful. He's those people that you see walking down the street, and music is just kind of following them as they go because their life is annoyingly beautiful, Um, I have an aunt and uncle, Aunt Betty, Uncle Dean, and they met in high school. She was a year older than him and Catholics. It was quite scandalous. Um, But they fell in love, and he converted to Catholicism for her. And now they're in a retirement home together. It's a little bit annoyingly beautiful, right? And uh, I found an old Bible of theirs, and my uncle had wrote in the front cover, Dean loves Betty. (laughs) uh Job's life is beautiful until it isn't then it is destructive and we start very quickly at verse 6 in chapter 1 all the way through until God finally speaks in 38 of Job's life falling apart so much so that his livestock die then the servants who brought him the news of the livestock dying die his children die. He gets boils, and his wife says to him from the balcony, you should just curse God and die. His three friends come, and they're not great with advice, but at least they're there, right? I think this is the part that's missed. His wife says, curse God and die, so she's probably not chilling, with Job in his ashes and sackcloth while he mourns. She's distanced herself. But his three friends are there. Again, they're not so great with the advice, but in Hebrew culture, to be there with a man who's experienced this much death, has boils on his body, meant they would have to remain separated from their friends and family for days following leaving Job. They took that upon themselves right? To grieve with their friend. They would have also ripped their clothes and set and sackcloth and they've been covered and set with him. So they're not perfect, but at least they're there grieving, grieving with Job. They did not keep a pandemic safety of six feet. They are there with the rashes And so after they could be there for a while, um, they began to speak with Job. And Job is most definitely full of sorrow and probably shame. And in Job 38, God speaks back. God speaks to man, man that he created. God takes time, even from a whirlwind, to speak to man. And God speaking out of a whirlwind isn't new to Old Testament folks. Ezekiel talks about God speaking out of a whirlwind. This is a very long passage, and in fact, the dialogue continues for a whole chapter or two more, right? And I'm only going to repeat some of the parts because what I found in reading through Job and studying Job and spending some time in this particular confusing and daunting text is that god spoke to his creation and yes there is sorrow and grief and we do not want to zip past that and shame but there is also an intimacy here between creator and creation god speaks the creator the sustainer the final judge infant in wisdom he takes the time to speak to his creation a man, and not just any man, a man who fears God. So I'll reread parts of the chapter of chapter 38. God, but it's clear to me that God cares about Job and cares about me and about you. And so as I looked through this, I actually discovered six attributes of God that I think illuminate in this text that we can take away with us. And you'll probably find more if you spend the afternoon, which is exactly what you want to do on a delightful summer day, reading Job 38. You'll probably find more attributes of God. First, God the creator, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God the creator, verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God the creator, also in verse 12. God is the creator. God the sustainer, verse 5. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Verse 6, or what were its bases sunk, and who laid its cornerstone? Verses 25 through 27 also speak of God as the sustainer. Who has cleft a channel for torrents of rain, or made the thunderbolt? Who can bring la- rain on the land where no man is, in the desert where there is no man? to satisfy waste in the desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. Even where there are not humans to satisfy or to occupy the earth, God still allows rain to fall for the earth to flourish. I recently hung out with a friend of mine that I met while studying abroad in Israel, and we were recounting We also went to Egypt as part of like a a side trip and it (laughs) was very wild. We went on our own um, and you just got on this bus and then drove to the Egyptian border and you can't take any Israeli vehicles over the Egyptian border. So we had to get out and walk across the border and then you rent a vehicle on the other side and they'll drive you into Cairo or wherever you're going and you're in the desert. Like there's nothing but desert. And so this guy is smoking pot and driving 120 miles per hour the whole way from the line to Cairo. I thought I was going to vomit because it was just so intense. But he's in the desert. There is no man dwelling there. And yet God sends rain there because God is the sustainer, even when it's bleak. And it doesn't seem like anything else living is around. God sends rain because he is the sustainer. God refers to himself as mother here. Uh, It says in verse eight, or who shut the sea with its door to burst forth from the womb. That's a motherly term. Last, I'm not so great at science, but last I checked it is women who have wombs, Um, and that classifies them as mothers. Verse 9, when I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness a swaddling band. This is the wrapping of the baby. And I don't know how they did it in the Old Testament or first century, but Jesus is referenced to be wrapped in a swaddling, right? Um, When you wrap the baby up like a burrito. Um, And verse 28, he says, has the reign of Father who has begotten the drops of dew from whose womb did the ice come forth and burst forth. So an attribute from Job 38 that God wants Job to see is him as nurturer, protector, mother, giver of life. I think of a woman, and I'm glad Brian Bouchon reminded me that we're recorded, so I'll change her name, uh, Sally, a woman named Sally, Who is in the Ukraine, in Ukrainian, uh, born and raised, and she's now in a basement with 80 orphans from ages 0 to 18, mothering them. God says here, Sally, I too am a mother, mothering you. I'm not saying that God is male nor female, but I'm saying that God cares. creation, including us, like a mother. God is all-knowing. Verse 18, have you comprehended the expanses of the earth? Declare if you know all this. God is all-knowing. Verse 33, I think this one's one of my favorites. Uh, Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish the rule on the earth? And then here is some alluding to the Final rule of the earth as well, right? As well as in verse, uh, the measuring lines, right? God's laid the earth's foundation, and he knows its limits. As he laid the foundation, he knew when he would bring it to a close, right? So God is all-knowing. God is infinite in wisdom, verse 22, Have you entered the storehouses of snow and have you seen the storehouses of hail? They have been reserved for time of trouble and the day of battle and war. I, those two verses really speak to me. like They bring me to tears every time because there's something very powerful about a creator holding parts of creation to reduce war. When we mess it up, he is ready with these storehouses to reduce the mess up, the violence, to redirect it. I also think of your silo over there, the prayer chamber thing. That's what I thought. That's the visual I got as I read this text for you guys this morning. Um, sometimes when I think of that silo, I think of Silence of the Lambs. But <laughs> this week, I thought of this text. Um Verse 39, (laughs) can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lion? Do you get the prey for the ravens? I think that's very interesting as well. There is the lion, which is this big, magnificent beast, and God is hunting prey for him and her, and also the tiny little raven who's, you know, kind of like a rat with wings. God is finding food for the raven as well. Finally, the final judge in verse 5. Who determined the measurement? Surely you know. I skipped ahead. Or who stretched the line upon it. So here we see God alluding to an end that will come to the earth verses 13 16 17 and 18 also discuss God being the final judge. verse 15 from the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken That picture that picture is an Old Testament scene if you're in war, you hold your hand up for battle while the battle goes on. we remember, uh, Moses got tired so Joshua held his arms up for him God saying here I'm gonna break snap those right off those arms that are held up for the people that are wicked and to shake the earth he says it just like he uses this delicate term like the skirt the skirt's a pretty delicate thing but he uses it in a way of wrath and judgment and redemption I will shake The skirt of the earth and the wicket will fall out of it. He is the final judge. God is creator, sustainer, judge, wise, mother, and all-knowing. And this is the God who takes time to speak to Job. He didn't have to. He could have left Job in his suffering. He could have just zapped the whole thing and made it better. He didn't have to stop to talk with him, right? And that God, I acknowledge that that God is angry. I'm not convinced he's actually angry with Job because the text goes on to call Job blameless. But that God who says, you've darkened my counsel with ignorance also takes time to talk with Job, God proceeds to remind Job of who he is, that he laid the earth's foundation, then he knows when it'll expire, that the food that he gets for the mighty lion and for the raven, right? he expresses how he's designed the stars and purposely makes them shift. And that God that's going to be worshipped eternally over and over again is speaking to Job. And it also says, if we were to continue on reading into verses, or chapters 40 and 41, that God does not forget Job. As we finish the book of Job, we see and read that God gives Job double what he had before. So he now has double ox and double cattle and seven more sons and three more daughters because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord to sustain us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Job's life is prolonged. Oh, am I fading? That's okay. Uh, Yes, there's tape on my face. I almost ripped this off. Uh, That's all right. It'll be like a free waxing. Um, But it doesn't mean easy or that life will come without suffering. It means when the suffering hits, you will have enough wisdom to know that the God who created things is speaking to you. What is interesting too is that God asked Job to pray for his friends. If we look, he, God confronts his friends and says, you have not spoken of me the way that is white or true, the way that my servant Job has. And he has Job intercede For his friends before he gives him back all the things and returns to him so there is a communal there is an intimacy here also what struck me for the first time is in 42 chapter 42 if you zip all the way to the end the lord restores the fortunes of god verse 10 and when he had prayed for his friends when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who knew him from before. And that's what I'm saying. Where were these people at? His three friends weren't great at advice, but at least they were there, right? But they come and they eat with him in his house, and they show symphony. So they don't rush past it. They're there with him. They grieve with him. They comfort him for all the evil that he had experienced, and each of them give him a piece of money and a gold ring. So there is a community effort to the restoration. It's not just God speaking and restoring things. He invites Job to intercede for his friends, and then his friends come and participate in some of the restoration. They give him money, a gold ring. They sit and comfort him. And for us who are in community, this community, who is God inviting you into to sit and grieve with or to celebrate with or to be part of their restoration with him and for me and my community? And so we go on, and it says that Job... Died an old man full of days. The fear of the Lord is a prolonged life. One little thing that I'm sure is not missed on any of you is that God doesn't restore his sons and daughters from the dead. They're still dead. He has new sons and daughters, but the ones that he lost, he lost. Right, And so God is at work in us as the creator sustainer, nurturer, all-knowing, final judge, and some of the suffering we've suffered here on earth will not be restored in that way. But that doesn't mean he has stopped speaking to us. Let's pray. God, you are good all the time. I am blessed that you've called me by name, And for each of us who call upon you as savior, friend, creator, mother, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. May we worship you and may you speak to us this week of how to be community to those around us as part of the restoring or to lean into our community as we need restoring. May we fear you and worship you always. In Jesus' name, amen.